Thank you, Pastor. Good to see you. Bless you. Let us pray. For all you've done, Lord, we say thank you. For this glorious opportunity, we say thank you. And now we ask that you would continue to do what you have been doing since the beginning, and that is move. Move across the hearts and minds of your children. Move through different places, dark places and lighted places. Move according to your will and your way. And we thank you for it all. It's through Christ we ask it all. Amen and amen. Friends, it is an honor and a privilege to be with you again on this evening, again this year, to Pastor Paul and Sister Elizabeth and, of course, the officers and all of you. God bless you. Thank you for bringing me back. You all are not hurting for preaching. Amen? Y'all were kind of slow saying amen to that. I don't know what that means. I know you're not hurting for preaching. I have heard your pastor, and what he did not share with you just a moment ago, he'll be back at First Cumberland next month. I had to bring him in earlier than I brought him in last year because he is such a prolific preacher, a, such a fabulous preacher of God. Last year, I brought in a, a friend who is a musician outstanding, an outstanding vocalist. And unfortunately, I could not bring him back this year. Uh, but hopefully, you will see him again very, very soon. But if you would bear with me, there is just a little something that I would like to, to share before we get into our message on this evening. And it goes like this. Holiness, holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. Holiness, holiness is what you want for me. Righteousness, righteousness, that's what I long for. Righteousness is what I need. Righteousness, righteousness, that's what you want for me, for me, for me. So take my heart and form it. Take my mind. Transform it, take my life, conform it to yours, to yours, oh Lord. Ooh, holiness, holiness is what I long for, holiness is what I need. Holiness, holiness is what you want for me. 
Amen. Friends, those of you who have your Bibles on this evening, perhaps an odd passage of Scripture, but one that has been speaking to me, dealing with me for some time now. And I'd like to share a few things with you dealing with this passage on tonight. Hebrews, Hebrews, chapter 5. We'll take a look at the first 10 verses, Hebrews chapter 5, the first 10 verses. I have forgotten, I don't know exactly your tradition, but I will put it this way. If you would like to stand for the reading of the scripture, you are, will you stand please for the reading? Pastor said, tell you, all right. Will you stand, please, for the reading of the Scripture? We have it on the screen. I'll be reading from the New International Version. This is what it says. Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. No one takes this honor upon himself. He must be called by God just as Aaron was. So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Amen. You may be seated. For a little while, I want to talk to you dealing with this particular subject, but better than Melchizedek but better than Melchizedek. Often, if you want to know who is the best or what is the best, you've got to find what is perceived as the best and stand next to it or place that which you are hoping for next to it. When I was a boy, my mother is a huge Coke fan, not just a Coke drinker. She's a Coke fan. Coke stuff all over the house. She's a big Coke fan. And as a boy, she took us to the Texas State Fair where they had a Pepsi challenge. Mama told us, Coke is sweeter. Coke is better. So when you get in this line, choose Coke. My brother and I and our friends all got in line and all chose Pepsi. With the look of disgust on her face, my mother walked in 
and walked out with a smile on her face. She chose Coke. But Pepsi wanted to be the big dog on the block and had to challenge Coke to do it. When you want to know if you are the best, that's how it occurs. That's how it happens. And when we take a look at this letter, we take a look at Hebrews. The author of Hebrews lines up all of these persons against Jesus, and they all fail to be greater. They all fail to be better. And when I say lines up some folks, he lines up angels, lines up Moses, Abraham, they all fail. Now, we're very familiar with these, but another is included. One that the recipients of this letter knew much of, but you and I may not know as much about, and his name is Melchizedek. Now, whereas Melchizedek can be found frequently in non-biblical Jewish and Christian writings from the first century, you and I still don't know that much about him. Matter of fact, we only find him basically in two parts in the Old Testament, Genesis 14 and Psalm 110. And to understand more about Melchizedek in Hebrews, well, we've got to read through chapter 7. Can't just stop where we stopped on the night. We got to keep going to understand more. He is referred to as a high priest, one with his own order or structural line of which Jesus is included. You see, Levitical priests came from the line of Levi, Jacob's son, and were called by God as Aaron. Moses' brother was also called by God, but we don't really see this with what we gather from the Old Testament about Melchizedek. Melchizedek's encounter with Abram in Genesis is where his priestly position is established. Here he blesses Abram after Abram rescued his nephew Lot and recovered the goods, women, and children from the four kings who raided Sodom and Gomorrah. Abram gives Melchizedek a tenth of everything that he has. You see, blessing God's people and receiving gifts from and on behalf of God's people would become a function of the priest. Melchizedek existed before the Levitical priests were ever established. Not only was Melchizedek a priest, Melchizedek was also a king. King of Salem. His name means king of Salem. Salem means righteousness or peace, and Salem would eventually become Jerusalem. Jerusalem, city of peace, city of righteousness. Jesus in Hebrews is called the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, not Levi, not Aaron, like Melchizedek. Jesus was before the priestly order was ever established. Like Melchizedek, Jesus also had a connection to Jerusalem. We'll get to that in just a moment. Like Melchizedek, Jesus answered to no human. But why is this even an issue? Perrin, we didn't come here tonight to be bored with a sermon dealing with Melchizedek. 
It's hard to even spell Melchizedek, let alone sit through a sermon. Why are you torturing us with this? Well, I'm so glad you asked. You see, the author of Hebrews was concerned with the Christians of that day because they began to seek out other sources of hope than Jesus. They began to believe that these other sources for their hope, for their strength, were greater than Jesus. Well, we may not be sure exactly of the group that this letter was written to, but we are certain that the folks who received this glorious letter were a part of what we believed could be called a tired congregation. One of the greatest preaching professors of this day, Thomas Long, says this about the Hebrews. He says, they are tired, tired of serving the world, tired of worship, tired of Christian education, tired of being peculiar and whispered about in society, tired of the spiritual struggle, tired of trying to keep their prayer life going. They may even be tired of Jesus. Are we living in a time like that? Are we dealing with these same types of issues? A failing economy? Engaged in wars that we may not fully understand, home foreclosures at a high rate, chokehold on the job market, higher education costing more, and we're praying and praying and praying, and stuff doesn't seem to be getting any better. I mean, we're praying. Oh, hello, somebody. Prayer services all over this country, and things don't seem to be getting any better. Matter of fact, more folks are beginning to ridicule us because of our faithfulness. How can you keep giving money to that church when you could lose your job at any moment? That's what they're saying. Why do you keep putting your children in those church programs when you need to get them started on some programs that will enhance their skills, that will make them wealthy so when you retire, you won't be busted? If your God is so good, why wasn't your retirement saved? Why hasn't that company called you back? Why did they break into your home? Why has your stress level skyrocketed? That's what they're saying. They're asking, you still paying child care? I can't believe you're still paying child care. You need to do like the Obamas and get your mama to move in with your family. <laughs> Help take care of your kids. I tried, my mama said no. But if we're honest, day by day, day by day, those statements are beginning to make more and more sense. And now some of us, the holiest of holy, some of us are thinking, you know, instead 
of sitting in here, going through a church service. I should be at home online looking for a job. Some of us are beginning to think, since I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, maybe I should cut back on what I'm giving to the church. Not forever. Just until things get better. Just until things improve. Some of us are saying, instead of reading my Bible like I know I should, I really need to read more want ads. More employment articles. Perhaps in different places. And what that basically says is, I have put my hope somewhere else because my hope in Jesus just doesn't seem to be working right now. This, this understanding, this mentality is what the author of Hebrews is dealing with. This is what Hebrews is struggling with. And you got folks who are tempted to put their hope, their faith, their trust more so in angels. Their hope, their faith, their trust more so in Moses. Their hope, their faith, their trust more so in Abraham. Their hope, their faith, their trust more so in Melchizedek than Jesus. <laughs> Yeah. When I was a boy, the old folks in the church used to have a little saying about the Lord. It went like this. He may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. <laughs> ah, the Lord may not come when you want the Lord to come, but God is always on time. You see, the Lord will sometimes, my friends, allow life's circumstances to touch us. Mm-hmm. Rub up against us. Get cozy with us. Sometimes the Lord will allow the arm of unemployment to wrap around our shoulders. But don't you ever think that God is through. Don't you ever think that the Lord is done? My wife and I, we have a nephew. His name is Andrew. Andrew has autism. And when my son turned five, we had a big birthday party for him at Chuck E. Cheese. Don't do that, y'all. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, I told uh, some folks in the church I was pastoring not too long ago that I wanted all of our teenagers to work at Chuck E. Cheese because that's the best birth control you're going to get. <laughs> we had a birthday party <laughs> at Chuck E. Cheese. Andrew got lost. We couldn't find him. We were looking everywhere for him. And my sister-in-law said, you all don't exactly understand how Andrew thinks. You all are looking under tables and looking behind video games and all of y'all are jumping in and out of the ball pit trying to find 
Andrew. Let me see if I can't find Andrew. And she did. She found him. Andrew was on stage behind the curtain because he wanted to know what was going on behind the curtain. Let me help you right now. I don't care what you're dealing with in your life. Believe me, the Lord is working behind the curtain. Something's going on behind the curtain. You're just not privileged to seeing it, but you've got to believe that God is at work behind the curtain. Verses 10 through 12 of Hebrews chapter 6 says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Uh, I may not know much about Melchizedek, but that's okay. I'm cool with that. You see, I know more about Jesus, and that's really what I need to know. Melchizedek may have been known as the king of Salem, but Jesus is known as the king of all kings. There may not have been a record of Melchizedek's arrival, but I know that Jesus passed through 42 generations and was born in Bethlehem, wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger. There may not be a record of Melchizedek's exit, but I know that 40 days after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he appeared to his followers there at the Mount of Olives, and there he ascended into heaven. I may not know much about Melchizedek, but that's okay. That's all right. I don't have to know much about Melchizedek, because I know quite a bit about my Lord and Savior. I know he is bread when I'm hungry. I know, I know that he's water when I'm thirsty. I know that he, as folks used to say when I was a boy, is a doctor in the sick room and a lawyer in the courtroom. I know he's the lily of the valley, the sweet rose of sharing the beginning and the end, the bright and morning star, the ancient of days. I know who Jesus is. I know who he is. James Cleveland, many years ago, said, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. Bashan Mitchell has a recording out right now that says, I searched all over, couldn't find nobody, because there's nobody greater, nobody greater than the Lord. I like those songs, I do. I, I like what they mean. I like how they feel. I like what they express. But there's another one by an English pastor and hymn writer named Edward Mote, written in 1834. And all that he said was, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, yet wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Yeah, Melchizedek may be all right for some folks, 
Some folks may be intrigued by Melchizedek. That's all right. But I don't need Melchizedek. I have all that I need in Jesus Christ, the same Jesus who kept my mama, the same Jesus who's been there for my father. I've got all that I need in Jesus Christ. When I'm in trouble, I don't call Melchizedek. I call on Jesus. I trust Jesus with my children. I trust Jesus with my wife. I trust Jesus with me. And Jesus is better than Melchizedek. <laughs> Amen. Woo. Yeah. Did I grab the wrong mic? I did. <laughs> Amen. What a great word. Brother Perrin, bless you. Uh, bless you, bless you. Let's stand up and let's pray for him. Let's pray for Cumberland Presbyterian Church. Father, I thank you for the word, and I thank you that we don't stand on man's priesthood, Lord. We stand on Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord, that his love never fails. I thank you for that word that you gave Elizabeth about kept. You'll never let go. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And Lord, I agree with the word that even though that we can't see what may be happening, God is at work. And Jesus, you sit at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us right now. Thank you, Lord. You are at work in our life. Lord, I just pray over Brother Perrin Rice and his wife and his children. Just speak blessing over him. Lord, that the doors that have been closed for him in ministry would open, that, that need to open, that doors that need to close would be closed. And Lord, I just pray for Cumberland Presbyterian and Brother McCaslin, and I just pray the blessing of the Lord to be upon that church, upon that church body. Give them breakthrough, Lord. Give them breakthrough like they've never seen. Give them breakthrough that they're praying for, Lord, over their, over their people, over their marriages, over their children, Lord, over their finances, over their church. Bless Cumberland Presbyterian. Lord, I thank you for this man of God coming in here and giving us the word. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, over our church, Lord, I just speak a blessing over our church. And as we've been praying and fasting, Lord, I just ask for breakthrough. That, Lord, that you would do exceedingly abundantly more than we could think or ask according to the power that is within us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, bless us. Bless this week. And bring us in Sunday, ready to rejoice and worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. God bless you. Come up here and shake Brother Perrin's hand. Let him know we're glad he's here. God bless you.